Welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and we have a very special edition of the TBT podcast today. We're going to preview the Super 16, which promises to be the best weekend in TBT history. To help us do it, we've got two people that know more about TBT than probably anybody in the world, Jake Pavorsky and Josh Brown. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Dan. I'm with Jake here at LIU Brooklyn. Beautiful facility. We're overlooking the Brooklyn skyline, so we're doing well. Jake, how about yourself? I'm doing awesome, Dan. Very excited to get these games kicked off. We're looking over the floor right now. It is a very cool gym. I can't wait for this place to be packed and bring in all these fans for these games. All right, let's jump right into it, guys. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to run through these games just like we did for the regional rounds. We'll go through them chronologically in the order that they'll be played. The first game, believe it or not, is tomorrow, Thursday, July 20th at 5 p.m. on ESPN2. We've got the top-seeded FCM Untouchables versus the number four-seeded Team Foe from the Northeast region. Guys, what are your thoughts on this one? Jake, let's start with you. Uh, I'm very excited for this matchup. Two teams that play each other with very similar styles, hard-nosed, basketball. It's going to be a knockdown, drag-out foul. Uh, I look at this Untouchables team a lot. They play really well. These guards on this team are, are fantastic. You look at Marcus Hatton who had 25 points and 7 to 12 threes in their game against the Paul Champions that sent him to the Super 16. Uh, they'll have Mike Green as well from Butler who's going to also light up the scoreboard you know, while also locking down on defense. He limited Earl Boykins in their game on Sunday. Uh, so he should be a, the kind of guy that will shut down either Tyshawn Taylor or Malik Waynes, who will be coming back from Summer League and making his TBT debut this year. Uh, I'm really excited to see this game go down. Josh, you are a big team FOE, team foe guy. Uh, curious what your response is to what Jake just said there. I love it. I love it. I think Foe uh, is going to end up squeaking the game out here. Um, the Untouchables, like Jake mentioned, they came out, you know, they didn't have a great game in their opening round win. And, you know, Dan, you talked to Tony Durant and he mentioned that. But um, I think Foe, they're battle tested now. Uh, they had two really kind of tough games when you look at DC on point was better than a 13 seed. Clearly, I think everyone agrees with that. And then they played a tough uh, sideline cancer team who uh, they always play hard. They're playing for a good cause. Uh, so you look at Foe, I think they're a little bit more battle-tested right now. Tyshawn Taylor is playing great for them. Um, he had like 21 and 17, I think, uh, in the two games. Uh, then you look up and down the roster, whether it be Mario Little giving them great play um, down in the front court, whether it be Marcus Kennedy playing well in the front court, or a guy like, um, you know, Scott Rogers or Elijah Johnson, who just gives so much depth on this team. I think now that they have two games under their belt, they're going to really be able to come together, play a good game. It'll be a good game either way, but I think Foe uh, kind of sneaks away with it. This one really is going to be dynamic. I've heard a couple of things, guys, about the FCM Untouchables team, obviously organized by Tony Durant and Muhammad Smith, along with Jermaine Dixon. Uh, but here's the deal. I've heard now it's they have until midnight uh, the night before the game to add these two guys. I've heard that they're looking at Daryl Monroe, who is one of the premier Americans playing overseas right now, as well as, uh, believe it or not, Brad Watermaker uh, is still wow. in the discussion for them. So they add those two guys. That's a huge, huge upgrade for them at a couple of positions that they could certainly use it. Uh, the other thing, though, is that they may be missing a couple of guys as well. We've talked about it in the past, but Mike James did sign that two-way deal with the Phoenix Suns, so he's not going to be available for them uh, in the round of 16 and beyond. So they're obviously looking to upgrade at the guard position a little bit. But one thing that really impressed me about the Untouchables team was the leadership role that Kyle Hines and Marcus Hatton took when they were in that regional round. The difference between day one and day two for them uh, versus uh, the Paul and uh, Paul Champions team, rather, was incredible. So we'll see what happens on that. On the team faux front, I don't think they're going to add anybody, guys, but it does look like they are practicing big time. They flew everybody in to Philadelphia from out of town that was out of town uh, over the weekend. They've been working hard over the last three or four days. 
Josh, as you know, and Jake, I'm sure too, the Morris twins take TBT so seriously and they are really pulling out all the stops to get these guys together and playing as a team. I think that team name, Family Over Everything, FOE, really does mean a lot to those guys. So that's going to be a really dynamic game. Again, that's the 5 p.m. game at LIU Brooklyn on ESPN2 on Thursday the 20th. The game right after that guy's doubleheader on Thursday is the 7 p.m. game between the third-seeded Bayheim's Army versus the seven-seeded Team Fancy, again on ESPN2 at 7 p.m. This game is going to be awesome, guys. Might be one of the most electric atmospheres that we've ever seen in TBT. You've got the classic TBT college alumni team versus, I think, what can probably be described as one of the premier uh, New York streetball circuit teams uh, in New York City and Team Fancy. Uh, Josh, let's start with you and your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I mean, credit to Team Fancy, who a huge addition in uh, Delroy James, excuse me, kind of late. And that really propelled them to that big win over the Rebel Riders. And then uh, the big win, real big win against Supernova the next day. I I love the Fancy team, how they've come together, whether it be Delroy kind of manning the low post. He's kind of a 6'8 guy, but can really play any position. He can ball handle. He can play point guard if you need him to. Or he can play the five if you need him to. He's really one of the more dynamic players in TBT. And then they have... Uh, Scott Machado, who, who, you know, balled out for them, played very well. Zamal Nixon, I know, um, they were very high on what he gave Team Fancy listening to the interviews you did with them. So they've come together really nice. Credit to them for rebuilding after a tough loss, uh, early on in the first round just a year ago. And I think they're looking really good, Dan, heading into, um, this round. I mean, it, you look at some of the guys who maybe didn't have their best game, who, if they step up, and I'm looking at guys like Shane Gibson, Kyle Hunt, etc., if they step up and they, uh, play up to their potential all of a sudden you have you know five six guys who are real legit first options for this team so I love what they're doing right now I think uh they're going to play Bayham's army really tough it's going to be a matchup that Bayham's army isn't really used to because like you mentioned they play that more kind of street ball kind of game so I think it's going to be a tough matchup for Bayham's army it could go either way but you really got to love the direction that fancy is trending uh trending and excuse me heading into the matchup Jake you were there with us in Philly when team fancy uh beat the um why am I blanking on who Supernova they beat, guys? Team. Supernova, sorry. But you were there to see that when they beat the, the second seed of Supernova team, and it really was all about emotion and energy that came from that Team Fancy bench. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in this one, Jake? Yeah, it's a great way of putting it. This is a Team Fancy squad that comes correct. They know they are, they play very well together. It's a tough, hard-nosed New York brand of basketball. And Delroy James, as Josh mentioned, is a fantastic player. Really lit up that Supernova team. 21 points on 7-13 sh- shooting. It's going to be difficult for the, the Syracuse team to match up against them. They do have a guy in Dante Green who can also sort of be that stretch four for them, play on the inside, play on the outside. He really carried them in that double OT game against Gale Nation. Uh, you know, probably one of the greatest games in TBT history. He had 32 points on 23 shots and 5 of 12 shooting from 3. Uh, you know, there's a hard guy to contain. Uh, we've looked at this Bayheim's Army team over the past couple years and they've obviously had great runs in TBT in the past, but I really think that this is their best team ever. They check off all the boxes. Great guard play, good shooting, a good low post presence, and a guy like Rick Jackson as well as Green who can do that as well. Deshante Riley is a different, more athletic type big who can throw down some lobs and block some shots. Him against Kyle Hunt will be a great matchup as well. You know, there's no real home court advantage for these teams. Syracuse will definitely bring their fans, but Fancy will also bring their friends and family as well. It's going to be a fantastic game, and uh, it'll be New York basketball's finest in one court tonight. Absolutely. I think the story there, guys, is that there's probably not a player in that court that hasn't played in a big game. So it's really going to be awesome to see them all square off and with a bunch of players that are really used to playing under that kind of lights and those that kind of pressure. So the next day, guys, on Friday, July 21st, we have another doubleheader. We have the 7 o'clock game. 
of the number 14 seeded NC Prodigal Sons versus the second seeded Ram Nation, the VCU alumni team. This is the South Regional that's playing through in the Super 16 there in New York. So the seven o'clock game, 14 seeded NC Prodigal Sons versus the second seeded Ram Nation. This game again on ESPN2. Uh, 14 seeded Prodigal Sons, seven of their nine players are not playing professional basketball right now, guys. And I was looking through some of the, the jobs that they have, and it's amazing uh, that these guys have made it this far. They do have two pros that are playing in pretty good leagues around the, around the world. Uh, but Ram Nation, Josh, is just loaded with professional talent, uh, including Larry Sanders uh, and others. Yeah, this is, I think, the most interesting game maybe we have up until the regional championships uh, for a couple of different reasons. One, like you mentioned, it's really um, guys like Eric Maynard, um, Larry Sanders, who I know isn't playing right now, but has NBA experience, etc., against kind of the more gritty NC Prodigal Sun team. Uh, two things to watch out for. One, NC Prodigal Sun's looking for revenge. They uh, were leading Ram Nation by 20 down in Charlotte in the first round last year. Ram Nation ended up coming back um, and taking that game, but NC Prodigal, that's kind of been on their mind all year long, kind of revenge, getting revenge against Ram Nation. Number two, uh, arguably the best player for NC Prodigal Sons has been Damiar Pitts. He's a little point guard from Marshall University. They actually found him on YouTube. Uh, he's a local Charlotte guy, but they were looking at kind of local talent, playing in the different leagues in the area. They came across him, watched him on YouTube, convinced him to play, I think, two or three weeks before the event, and he lit it up. Again, a little undersized point guard, but he can get to the rim, very versatile Vitaly can shoot the three ball uh, and really kind of feel good story there. So you have kind of on one end, the revenge aspect for NC Prodigal. They have a couple of interesting players, including Pitts, like I mentioned. So really kind of a dynamic matchup, kind of a David versus Goliath on paper. But I think if you watched NC Prodigal Suns play, it's not really that far apart. Two really talented teams who I think it could go either way. Jake, this is one of those situations where the Prodigal Suns familiarity with one another, aside from uh, bringing in Pitts off of YouTube, but They've played together so often and in so many environments, including TBT last year. This is going to be a really tough team for VCU to knock out. Yeah, and this is a team that has come so far already. You know, they're not phased by anybody. They've gone through the ringer in the South region and played some very tough teams, and they won't be intimidated by this VCU team. At the same time, that VCU team is loaded with NBA talent, and they're also adding another guy in Justin Toyo, who played at VCU in 2012, 2013, transferred to Chattanooga, and had a fantastic season year, uh, senior season, excuse me. Uh, 13.6 points, 6.6 rebounds, 2.9 blocks, prides himself on defense, will you know, man the paint and block some shots and keep those prodigal sons guards out of the lane. It, it's going to be tough for them to come overcome the talent on that VCU team. Uh, the, the fact that they know each other and they have the chemistry will certainly help, but that VCU team does well. They all play together in college for multiple years. They've gotten a ton of games in, in, in Charlotte, and they've played very well there. Uh, they're going to have their work cut out for them, for sure. This VCU team, guys, has got one of the best fan bases, I think, anywhere in TPT. Anytime they need some money, whether it's to add a player, cover travel expenses or whatever, their fans are right there with them on the GoFundMe crowdfunding. It's unbelievable. Um, to kind of go through and put a little more uh, context with these Prodigal Sons guys, they've got a guy that's a compliance analyst, an elementary school PE teacher, a commercial insurance underwriter, a supervisor at Wells Fargo, a supervisor at a call center, and an account specialist at Vizant. I mean, these guys are, are really living the dream. I, 
you know, it's really hard to root against any team that's like that. It's going to be a great matchup. Again, that's going to be the 7 o'clock game on ESPN2 on Friday, July 21st. The 14th-seeded NC Prodigal Sons versus the second-seeded Ram Nation, the VCU alumni team. Guys, the game that I might be looking forward to the most of any that we're going to see this weekend is the number one-seeded overseas elite, two-time defending TBT champions versus the fifth-seeded Tampa Bulls, a USF, University of South Florida alumni team. This is going to be our 9 p.m. game on Friday, July 21st, again on ESPN2. Overseas Elite looked great in classic Overseas Elite fashion over the South Regional a couple of weeks ago. Down a few times, came back strong. Tampa Bulls beat a very, very talented and tough Kentucky Kings team to make it to this point in the Super 16. Josh, I mean, Jake, rather, let's start with you on this matchup. Overseas Elite versus Tampa Bulls, 9 p.m. on ESPN2 on Friday. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic game. This Tampa Bulls team is riding high after, you know, knocking off the Kentucky Kings and that buzzer beater shot from Dominique Jones. He's going to light it up again. 29 points against the Kentucky Kings, but he did take 25 shots. You know, that's the kind of guy who can either shoot you into a game or shoot you out of a game. And this is an overseas elite team that is very well balanced. You know, they've been here before. They've won so many games in TBT. They're 15 and 0 now. And you know who you can rely on with that team? DJ Kennedy, Eric McCollum will be those guys that can get you those big buckets when you need them in uh, tight games. And these games are certainly going to be close. Uh, you know, this USF team has a ton of talent on it with Solomon Jones, a former NBA player manning the paint. You have a you know, good backcourt with Anthony Collins and Corey Allen Jr. Corey Allen Jr. had 16 points against the Kentucky Kings team against you know guys like AJ Slaughter and Irving Walker who are high-level players overseas. And this is one of those games that's going to be coming down to the wire again. And can DJ and Eric step up and take one of those big shots and knock it down again to push them to 16-0? Josh, you witnessed it in person uh, there in Charlotte, but this overseas elite team has an unbelievable knack for getting knocked down of the canvas, pulling themselves back up and winning no matter what they do. They're now 15-0 and in TBT history. It looked like they were going to lose a couple of times this weekend, including to the 16th seed who they were down to at one point. What did you see this weekend that makes you think that overseas elite uh, still might be the team to beat in TBT? Or maybe they're not. Yeah, I don't know. No, I'm curious. I, I think- that's exactly right. I think they are. I mean, when you look at the comeback that they had, I mean, the Chattanooga Trenches game, they won by 10. Uh, Chattanooga was a, a better team than the, the number 16. They fought hard. They were kind of the prime time kind of model of a team. And um, it didn't surprise me that they gave uh, overseas elite a game. But that Matador game, typical um, kind of overseas elite game. They fell behind. They were down as many as 18 early in the first half. And then before you know it, you blink. Um, they cut it to... Uh, one before halftime or two before halftime and it was kind of just a uh, you know DJ Kennedy will hit you know hit a couple of threes and McCollum gets to the hoop Dewan Blair a new addition lays one in for them and all of a sudden you you know you have a five-point game with you know four minutes until halftime and then they kind of keep chipping away from there but um, I will say they, they need a little bit more production or, or spread out production than they got it was really DJ Kennedy and Eric McCollum and Blair too carrying the load uh, for them in that Matadors game which was kind of really their first um real tough test in tbt 2017 so um especially when you have dominique jones the other way who's gonna probably match dj kennedy uh in scoring they're gonna need a little bit more than just mccullum and blair to step up um but you know what can you say man they've done everything um they've fell behind and come back they've you know, gotten out in front of teams uh, from the jump. Colin Curtin, when talking to him, he did really emphasize that, you know, if they keep falling behind, they're eventually going to lose the game. Um, you know, that hasn't rung true yet, but you got to imagine if they fall behind to a team like the Tampa Bulls or if they get Ram Nation, um, the you know, in the next round to advance to the semifinals, if they keep falling behind, fate's going to catch up to them eventually. So I think moving forward, 
you know, the key to them, if they get in front of a game early, I think they're might be an unbeatable team in TBT this year, considering uh, looking at the other teams. But if they fall behind, that's where they could run into some troubles moving forward. Yeah, the Tampa Bulls, I mean, one of the things that they have going for them, aside from their familiarity with each other, incredibly organized, but also really energetic. I mean, you can see it on the sideline, how into it these guys are. Really an awesome team to see. So that matchup at 9 p.m. on Friday night is really going to be one to look out for. Uh, Michael Brown and the others uh, with the Tampa Bulls have done an incredible job of organizing a team, especially for a first time through TBT. Not an easy thing to do for sure. All right, guys, on Saturday, July 22nd, we've got four incredible games that day, all airing on ESPN or ESPN2 live. So the first game of the day is at high noon Eastern time. The third seeded Always a Brave, a semifinalist in TBT 2016 versus the second-seeded Scarlet and Gray. Always a Brave being a Bradley alumni team, Scarlet and Gray being an Ohio State team. Uh, guys, this is going to be an unbelievable matchup to watch. I know Scarlet and Gray really impressed a lot of people in the Midwest this past weekend, along with Always a Brave, coming back even better and better than they did last year. Josh, your thoughts on this matchup of a 3-2? Yeah, I think the emotional um, kind of viewpoint goes to Scarlet and Gray. I mean, just the the stories that are coming out of that team, no bigger than uh, Jared Sullinger himself. He really opened up, and if you haven't listened to that interview, you really should. Uh, he really opened up about kind of after he was traded from Toronto and then cut by Phoenix the next day, uh, just kind of being down and out. He didn't think he would play basketball ever again. Um, he said TBT is kind of you know, an avenue for him to try to resurrect his career, show he's healthy, show he can play. Um, so just a, a great story right there for Sullinger, an awesome dude um, who really played well, and he's going to be big moving forward. They have great guard play. Aaron Kraft lived up to the hype and, and more, I think. Um, you know, that defensive kind of prowess he has, he was all over the court diving everywhere, um, just playing a typical Kraft game. Really an impressive team to watch. And Evan Turner doing great coaching on the bench. He was legit coaching that team, getting on the referees, um, drawing up plays for them so he is really into tbt as well always a brave they kind of did what they did i mean they kind of rode a home crowd advantage in that game against mid-american unity which ended up being one of the best games in that midwest region mid-american unity really good team if they were playing on a neutral court they might have won that game but um yeah always a brave uh got a big boost jerome randall cal all-time leading uh scorer played really really well for them great addition to that team and uh you know you kind of know the story from their somerville o'brien um, Tony Bennett, etc. They all played really good games. So uh, pretty even matchup either way. Um, but I think, you know, watching Scarlet and Gray, they kind of just have this team of destiny feel to them uh, between Sullinger and the way they've come together and the way they've played. You know, they just kind of feel like a team who um, just is kind of poised to make a Final Four run. So it'll be interesting to see if they live up to that here in Brooklyn or if Oli's a Brave can kind of catch them on a bad day. Jake, it really looked like Always a Brave kind of lived through the same process that they did in, t- in the regionals in 2016. Some, a couple of narrow escapes for them uh, through the regional rounds. But Scarlet and Gray also looked tremendous, too. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, you know, it's going to be tough taking always a Brave out of Peoria and not playing in front of their home fans anymore. How do they respond when they start getting down and they don't have the home crowd uh, to get behind them? You know, there's a couple matchups you got to look for. Josh mentioned these as well. Uh, Jerome Randall is a, a fantastic scorer. You know, maybe it comes from the street ball type mold. A, an incres- incredible ball handler, an impressive passer, and a guy who can light up the scoreboard at 21 points in their victory over the Fort Wayne champs. That is a guy like Aaron Kraft, a two-time uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, as well as a D-League Defensive Player of the Year. How does a guy like that shut down Jerome 
Jerome Randall, and can he do it? Can he limit that scoring, that you know, that passing, the ball handling? You know, a guy who could really get the Bradley team going and, and light them up in, in multiple different ways. If he can shut them down, they lose a big part of their offense there. Uh, and as well as you know, Marcel Somerville and Patrick O'Brien, Marcel Somerville being uh, a TBT 2016 All Tournament team member, it's a great front line to go up against Jared Sollinger and Dallas Lauderdale to see how you know those two uh, face up against each other. Sollinger didn't play as great on Sunday. He cruised a little bit on Saturday. We'll see if you know they put the ball in his hands a little bit more and try and work him in and get him a little bit more involved this year as I would uh, this game, excuse me, as I would expect them to. Uh, it, it's going to be a fantastic matchup. I would expect Scarlett and Gray to probably come out of this one, as Josh says. And they just seem to be rolling right now. They seem to be the team that everyone likes. And going forward, they have some great shooters on that team between David Lighty, John Diebler, and William Buford. Uh, they're going to be my pick for this game, but I think it's going to be a very close one for sure. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not the experience going through TBT for Always a Brave leads to success over Scarlett and Gray. It does seem like there's a lot of momentum and obviously uh, media interest and fan interest in Scarlett and Gray, but I would never discount these guys from Bradley. They play together as a team. They have a lot to prove. I think the roster is substantially upgraded from last year as well, as everybody was saying. Josh, I'm curious, having been there in the Midwest Regional in Peoria, what the uh, what the role of Scooney Penn was on that team. I mean, did, was he really the leader that I kind of think he is in, in person, or what did you see? Yeah, I mean, huge. Him and Evan Turner kind of, um, you know, they, the interesting thing was Scooney is kind of a, a player's coach in that he'll listen to what the players are telling him. He'll listen to what Evan Turner is telling him. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you know, five minutes left in a close game, he's drawing up a play. He just signed a, a, a deal with Ohio State to be a new player development coach there. Um, and again, he's he's more of kind of a player's coach. He, you can just see they love playing for him. They would run through a wall uh, for Scooney Penn. And, um, I, you know, when I talked to him after the game, he said what I think makes a, a great coach in TBT is that, um, you know, these guys need a little bit direction. Um, you know, he manages the, the rotation. He draws up plays for them um, when they need it. But at the end of the day, these guys are all professionals. And sometimes they just kind of need a friend on the bench. And I thought that was his <laughs> biggest asset. If, um, you know, John D. Diebler struggled a little bit in game one. You saw Scooney kind of just go over, give him a little pat, just you're all right, keep shooting the ball. And I think sometimes in TBT, in a one-and-done tournament, that's all you need is kind of a little bit of a friend on the bench as much as a coach. And um, that's what I was really impressed with with him, that uh, he could kind of wear both hats. Draw, again, draw plays when they need it, but also when you just kind of need that pat of encouragement, he was right there on the bench. So um, he's, I think, one of the best coaches we've ever had in TBT. Um just based on that alone. And I think both him and Evan Turner have done a great job with this team. And I think they really have them rolling in, in kind of in a good mindset heading into this weekend. This is really going to be an awesome matchup. I'm, I'm so looking forward to seeing both of these teams play. Uh, so that's going to be the 12 p.m. matchup on Saturday, July 22nd, the third-seeded Always a Brave versus the two-seeded Scarlet and Gray live on ESPN. Guys, the 2 p.m. game on that day is the first-seeded Golden Eagles alumni team from Marquette versus the this is the, by, by the way, guys, four alumni teams out of the Midwest. That's really something to say. I don't think we've ever had that before. The top-seeded Golden Eagles from Marquette uh, alumni team versus the fourth-seeded Purple and Black from the Kansas State uh, Kansas State University. This is going to be an incredible matchup. 2 p.m. live on ESPN. Guys, the Marquette team really is led by Dwight Bikes. Incredible uh, performance that he had both in NBA Summer League and in TBT so far. Purple and Black really seems to be the Jacob Poland show and also a, a non-Kansas State guy, Stefan Hanna, really impressed this weekend as well. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on this 1-4 matchup, the 2 p.m. game on ESPN? 
I think the Golden Eagles, even though they are the number one team in the Midwest, you know, I think they could be a sleeper pick to to be the TBT champion this year. For, so many former NBA guys on that team between Bikes, La- former Laker Darius Johnson Odom, you have Jarrell McNeil, and you also have Jamil Wilson, who's soon to join the Los Angeles Clippers. Rumor to sign a two way deal. Regardless, he's still out here hooping with the Marquette Golden Eagles. He'd love to see a guy like that who's committed to playing with TBT and his brothers and, and trying to win this two million dollars. It, it's a very guard heavy team, and it, with a lot of guys on, on there that will light light it up. Bucks or Bikes, excuse me, average twenty one points or he had 21 points in their win over the Midwest Dream Squad. You have Darius Johnson-Odom, who's averaging almost 18 points a game. Wilson is putting up 12. You've got so many guys you can go to for a bucket on this team, including Juan Anderson as well. And down low, you have a guy in Devontae Gardner, Devonte, uh, Gardner, I believe his last name is, uh, who is just a fantastic big man. Uh, below the rim, obviously, he's a big dude, probably pushing 275, 280 pounds, uh, but has been a, a big force for them down low in the paint there, uh, really commanding it, uh, scoring all, all over the big men down there, grabbing rebounds as well. 16 points, 5 rebounds uh, in their game against the SLU crew. Hey, you look at that that purple and black team. Jordan Enriquez, who got a little bit of time in during their game on Sunday, played the last 5 minutes or so, uh, is coming off an injury and was just trying to really get himself back into this game. Very different stylistically than Gardner. Plays above the rim. Kansas State's all-times blocks leader. Uh, can he handle a big body like that in the paint? It, it remains to be seen. But when you have guys like Jacob Pullen and Stefan Hanna playing together, one of the TVT's most potent backcourts, guys who can light it up from deep, especially Stefan Hanna, who is never afraid to, to step into a 27 or 30 foot three and will knock them down too. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a fantastic matchup and it's going to be a, a shootout in one of these games for sure. That's a backcourt that if I was trying to organize a team in Europe, I think I would just take the both of them. You know, just take Hannah and uh, and Jacob Poland and then let them let them do what they need to do. Josh, you were there in person and saw uh, these two teams play a couple of games apiece. Purple and black to me seem to really improve between day one and day two. Was that what you saw? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean even on day one, there were kind of hands and feet better than the purple and black we saw a year ago and that's a testament to them for kind of building it up and I know Jacob Pullen really spent all year getting the guys together telling them you know we need to practice we need to show up to TBT we can't kind of cruise our way to um, Brooklyn and then all show up in Brooklyn and play our game they knew they had to take it right off the bat but yeah I mean um, they had a a tough game against Canton right off the bat Canton's another one of the prime time kind of uh you know, teams who they'll play you tough no matter who they're playing. Um, but regardless, you said it kind of right there, Dan. They really kind of came into their own in that game uh, against Hilton Magic Legends. I don't know if it's because it was a, um, you know, a, a 12 o'clock game instead of a or an 11 o'clock game instead of a nine o'clock game, you know, that might play a little bit of a role into kind of a, a little bit of a little bit of a slower uh, start for them. But either way, um, you know, Jacob Pullen and Hannah really were clicking from all, uh, all cylinders and all over the court in that game. And then they got good low post production as well. Uh, even Jordan Henriquez, who's battling a little bit of an injury, got some time in that game as well. Um, that game against the Hilton magic legends. Anytime you can beat a fellow big 12 rival by 11 points in TBT and they were dominating, most of that game it wasn't even really a close contest you know you're kind of firing on all cylinders because that Hilton Magic Legends team were they looked good on day one and purple and black kind of just demolished them in that game so uh anytime you do that that's certainly um you know something to be encouraged with moving forward and I think this is probably the one game out of the ones we have um Thursday Friday and Saturday where I really have no idea who's going to win the game in terms of I don't have a prediction at all I think either team could really win the game uh pulling in Hannah versus Dwight Bucks is an electric matchup um and then from there both teams have great kind of role players who fill their role so i have no idea dan how this game is going to go and whoever wins this game um you know will could 
well, I don't want to say will be a favorite to come out of the region considering who else we have, but they'll be in a real strong position to do just that just because, um, you know, winning that game, you're going to really have to go through the ringer uh, to advance and win that game. It just strikes me, guys, that it seems like every game that's going to be played at the round of 16 is a, is basically a toss up. You know, like I don't, I don't even, even the fourteen two matchup. Like I wouldn't surprise be surprised at all if the Prodigal Sons beat Ram Nation on Friday night. I mean, this, this does not get any easier from this point forward to actually win TBT. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to you know who's clutch at the right time and who gets a little bit of luck. All right, guys. So that's our two p.m. game: the first seeded Golden Eagles versus the fourth seeded Purple and Black. Uh, following that, we're going to go to our 4 p.m. game. This is four games in a day. So if you're a basketball fan in New York and you're not buying a ticket to this, I don't know what you are doing on Saturday, July 22nd. 4 p.m. game, the t- this is the now the West Regional that they'll be playing through, is the first-seeded Team Colorado versus the fourth-seeded Armored Athlete. These two teams look tremendous, especially on day two. They both had kind of, I guess you would call them bunny games in the first game uh, of the West Regional, uh, facing off respectively with the 16th seed and the 13th seed. Uh, both won handily on day one. And then day two, they had a little bit of a closer game, but they still played great. Team Colorado uh, knocked off a very, very good team uh, on day two. And Armored Athlete as well did the same uh, over Team 23. Uh, Jake, you were out there to see these two teams in person, Team Colorado, the first seed and the fourth seed at Armored Athlete. Let's start with Team Colorado. What stands out to you about about them in 2017 versus last year? Uh, well, you, when you add a guy like Chris Copeland, a, a five-year NBA veteran who's really stood out with the New York Knicks, you can add him to a core that already includes you know, Marcus Hall, uh, Relford, and some of the other guys on that team. Uh, he's a fantastic addition, a guy who scored 31 points in their win over the Broad Street Brawlers on Sunday. Him and the Hall combined for 61 on just 41 shots. Uh, you have a, a big guy like Chris Copeland, and when you see him in person, you are stunned at how big he is. He is 6'8", 6'9", 240 pounds, could probably be a small ball five in some situations if they wanted to use him that way was just absolutely lights out from three and when you can add a guy with that size that kind of shooting and experience in the NBA uh, it is a fantastic player to have and they'll also be getting some reinforcements this weekend as well in the form of Josh Scott who's just getting done with a nice summer league campaign uh, with the Portland Trailblazers they they should they were the number one seed in the Westford region runner-up last year and they continue to impress the kind of guys they have there Uh, Austin Dufault is a big man will step out and shoot it as well Uh, you have Dominique Coleman coming off the bench Alonzo Coleman as well so many different guys who can do a lot of different things for you defense and get up and down the floor and shoot. And they, they came correct, too. You look at the bench that they had. They had maybe five or six different coaches there with you. Spencer Dinwiddie came to you know promote and uh, help the team out a little bit. Uh, you know, that is a team that has really organized themselves very well this year, and they are they are committed to winning that $2 million. They sniffed it last year. They came very close. You know, they were up. They were winning most of that game against Overseas Elite and watched the money slip out of their hands. Uh, they're going to be ready this year, and I, I think that they'll, you know, they'll come correct and, and make sure that they, they try and come home with this $2 million. Now, this armored athlete team might be the most unselfish group in the entire tournament. You've got guys like Will Sheehy, Garrett Sims, Taylor Battle who can light it up from three, but will also move the ball around, try and get as many open looks as they can. I think the real X factor for that team is going to be Xavier forward Jalen Reynolds, who averaged 18 points and seven rebounds over the weekend. You might recognize him as you saw his play on SportsCenter Top 10. An incredible lob that started off with a behind-the-back pass that he threw to Garrett Sim. Sim threw it up in the air, and Reynolds just comes out of nowhere to dunk it down uh, over his opponent there. The story behind Reynolds getting added to this team is fantastic. He was on the Toronto Raptors with Will Sheehy at summer league. Uh, they got eliminated early. They were the top seed that ended up having to, to leave early. Uh, but Sheehy was impressed with how he played, and, and the team really needed another addition. They approached Reynolds after the game, asked him if he'd be interested in playing in TBT, told him how it worked. Uh, and the head coach actually went up to uh, Reynolds' uh, 
hotel room. They sat down on the phone with his agent for about an hour and uh, worked out a deal to get him to play in TBT. Has been probably their best player so far and will certainly be an X factor in their game against Team Colorado. He's a guy to watch out for for sure. Uh, you know, and another fantastic storyline that TBT has this year. Yeah, absolutely. And he really provided a level of athleticism that I think that team really needed. Uh, one thing they may be missing this weekend, got to get it confirmed, is EJ Singler uh, could be missing that game for Armored Athletes. So that would be a big loss for them. And as you mentioned, Josh Scott now joining the team, uh, Colorado squad, the first seeded team for that 4 p.m. game on ESPN2. I think this is going to be a real barn burner. People were really impressed with Armored Athlete. Looked to me like a great matchup. Josh, I know you were watching it from Peoria. What kind of stood out to you between these two teams? Yeah, um, Armored Athlete really impressed me. I saw a little bit more of their games than the Colorado games, but um, they just kind of have the it factor in that they maybe were missing a little bit last year, and that's without Jordan Hulls playing for them uh, throughout the regional round. They just have so many options that they can go to, and that game against uh, Team 23, um, where they were able to pull it away at the end, really impressed with them. Um, in that game, like um, Jake mentioned, Jalen Reddles, uh, Julian Gamble's turning out to be a great addition for them down low. I know people were kind of looking forward to watching him play with them, uh, and he's really impressed. I thought, um, you know, he he's, has a chance to be one of the best big men we have down here in Brooklyn. Um, and then you had guys like, you know, that Jake's mentioned, Sheehy, Watford. You know, these guys have won a D-League title together. They're um, experienced together. They're kind of poised. They're ready to go. So I love Armored Athlete. Uh, Colorado, I didn't get to see a ton of, and it's tough to judge them off the kimchi matchup. But, you know, first off, credit to kimchi again for showing up and playing with all that heart that they do. But it's tough to judge them off that matchup. So you only really have one game against the Broad Street ball, uh, Brawlers where they, again, they played very well. Um, like Jake mentioned, they were got, you know, Marcus Hall does what he did. Copeland does what he does. Um, and, you know, they had, I think, five guys in double figures in that game. Um, so they looked very well. It looks like they're clicking on all cylinders. But we've only seen one game from them. So it's kind of tough to judge them. Um you know, really take a deep dive on them. They're still kind of an unknown. If they play to the potential and what they have on the roster, they're going to be really tough to beat. Um, but I think Armored Athlete, no matter what team Colorado you find, is going to come out strong. I think they're a really good team. And um, they're they're probably my under-the-radar pick, if it, you can even call it under-the-radar, to win the region and make the Final Four. So um, really love what they've done. Credit to A.J. Mahar and what he's been able to build and put together every year because they just get so much better year after year, which is tough to believe considering how good they were even last year. Yeah, the one thing that was really interesting to me about that Team Colorado Broad Street Brawlers game was that the Broad Street Brawlers really, in a lot of ways, lived up to that name. Brawlers, they were a tough, tough team. You know, Sammy Zaglinski plays a great point guard for them. Uh, the additions that they added from Dayton were really tough. All of them played really, really hard and hard-nosed. And I think what I needed to see from Colorado was that they could match that level of intensity and that level of toughness. And I was really impressed with how they responded to that. Chris Copeland, as Jake said, was just really a dynamo uh, in that game. Looked every bit of the NBA shooter that he has been and you know continues to be, in my opinion. Um, and a big, tough guy as well. He and Hall together, I think there might be even be best friends. I mean, Copeland told me that the reason he's playing for this team primarily is because of Marcus Hall. And uh, it seemed to me like that tandem is going to be a really tough inside-outside matchup uh, for anybody to match up with between Marcus Hall. I think they combined... Hall and um, Copeland, there has to be like 64, 65 points, Jake, something like that, right? It was 61 points, yeah. I mean, those geez. two are an incredible tandem, and those are two guys that will probably be all-tournament team uh, contenders for this year as well. 
Absolutely. All right, guys. The last game of the day on Saturday, July 22nd is going to be the 6 p.m. matchup again live on ESPN2 from the West Regional. It's the sixth seeded Team Challenge ALS versus the second seeded Few Good Men. Few Good Men, uh, you know, kind of a Gonzaga alumni team. They've brought in a bunch of friends of Jeremy Pargo this year as well. Team Challenge ALS really is pr- primarily composed of guys from the Inland Empire area of greater Los Angeles, really motivated by uh, trying to help out the Pete Frady's Foundation and Pete Frady's himself, Sean Marshall, the GM and small forward, again, uh, for those that don't know, was a roommate of Pete Frady's uh, who has uh, ALS and was a baseball player at Boston College. So, guys, a lot of um, really intriguing storylines on this one. I think the first and foremost one is that few good men really got through that West Regional, Jake, uh, with exactly what they <laughs> exactly what their name suggests just a few good men playing with six on saturday and then seven on sunday including a uh, mike hart who was recovering from food poisoning but jake this matchup is really going to be intriguing i know you saw both of these two teams what stood out to you about them yeah uh the few good men like you said really shorthanded throughout the weekend only six guys on saturday just seven at most on sunday uh and they they continue to get through to the super 16 and they only they have one guy to really thank for that and that is stephen gray probably the best shooter i've seen in tbt thus far and it should be you know the leading candidate for tbt mvp this year averaging 32 points a game shooting almost 63 percent from the field and doing a little bit of everything too playing solid defense but shooting the three ball really well uh, attacking the rim this is a guy who led the french league in scoring a couple years ago and you can see why someone who will light it up. Uh, Jeremy Pargo is a fantastic player to have as well. You know, a little NBA experience has, has been a big scorer in China over the past couple of years. Very steady in guard play for them. The guy who will absolutely shoot the three balls well, uh, but connected with Malcolm Thomas on a couple pick and rolls uh, down low. And, the, you know, the fact that they're getting three guys back for this upcoming game that they have. Uh, Gennaro Pargo, Jeremy's older brother, who spent 13 years in the NBA. Swingman Kevin Palmer, as well as big man Kamari Murphy, who's coming off a good summer league campaign and just graduated from Miami this past year. It's going to, they grow going to need eight or nine guys against this team challenge ALS that is over 10 deep, you know, can play as many guys as they want and has a ton of depth at multiple positions. Uh, They have a, a very balanced offensive attack. You talk about a guy like Sean Marshall, 21 and a half points per game, their leading scorer, and is really the heart of that team too. You talk about his connection to Pete Frady's, and that you know is definitely a part of the reason why he is the leader of that team, why he's so vocal on the court, keeping those guys together. You know, basically a, a player coach for them to have on the court at all times. Former uh, Sixers guard Casper Ware really stepped up in their game against Sunday. He had 22 points to lead all scorers, and then you have Jerry Smith as well, uh, another guy, a Louisville guy who just lives at the line. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic matchup, and this is actually going to be the final game of the day uh, on Saturday. They go, they're going to play at 6 p.m. and Team Colorado and Armored Athlete are going to face off at 4 p.m. So many great stories here with Team Challenge ALS. Casper Ware really is a, one of the top point guards on all of the West Coast and many people consider him an NBA caliber player uh, currently playing outside the NBA. I know he played in Australia this past season. Obviously, Sean Marshall is the emotional leader of that team. It seems like they kind of take their lead from him. But let's not sleep on the job that Darren Collison is doing as a head coach for this team. Uh, Collison recently having signed with the Indiana Pacers. Collison is really the calming force on the bench for these guys. They they tend to get themselves very, very hyped up in a good way. And Collison's able to kind of corral them, uh, set the plays, and, and, and do the things that he needs to do as a head coach. So I've been very impressed with the job that he's done coaching that team as well. Again, that's the six p.m. matchup on Saturday, July 22nd, live on ESPN2. Guys, following that, we've got the winners of each of those games that we just outlined playing in succession, starting at 12 noon on ESPN and finishing with our last tip at 6 p.m. on Sunday, July 23rd. The winners of those games are going to advance to Baltimore for our semifinals and our championship, also live on the main network on ESPN on August 1st, which is a Tuesday, and August 3rd, which is a Thursday. Undoubtedly, the four teams that get through there will have earned 
earned it because this is by far the most talented and impressive lineup of teams that I think have ever competed in TBT, certainly in the round of 16, in the Super 16. Jake and Josh, thanks so much for your time. Hey, I... I always forget to, I, I don't know, I, I should remember this, but Jake, you're following TBT on Twitter, right, at the tournament? I do. I'm on there all the time, checking out the yeah. page, looking at the videos from the games. We do some great interviews that come up after the game, before the game, talking to these guys, getting them, uh, getting a feel for them and the game. Uh, no, fantastic coverage on there all the time, for sure. All right, so that's Twitter at the tournament. I know, Josh, you're, you're more of like a Facebook guy, so I, I have no doubt that you've got it bookmarked. Facebook.com backslash the tournament, right? I do. I'm on there all the time. I'm liking things. I'm sharing. I'm uh, poking the tournament, even though they don't end up poking me back. So I'm doing everything on Facebook <laughs> with this group. I didn't even know that poking was still a thing on Facebook, but that's awesome oh, that you're keeping around. the tradition alive. That's awesome. Well, and the other thing, guys, that if you're not doing that you can do is you can subscribe to TBT's podcast on Apple Podcasts. Very easy to do. Just listen to our, our podcast, hit that little subscribe button, and you can also share it. There's a little square that you're going to see down at the corner of the screen on your iPhone. Hit that share button. Send it to all your friends and family so that they can know as much about TBT as you do. Guys, I'm looking forward to seeing you up in Brooklyn. It's going to be an awesome weekend. Thanks again for your time, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon.